Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in Miller and Condon on a Monday as we start our week here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you for the next couple of hours uh, as we talk the world of sports to get uh, for the next couple hours and lots to get to here on a Monday. Uh, coming up on the BMW Des Moines guest list, we had to reschedule Max Olson uh, from the Athletic uh, who did the state of the program, the state of Iowa State's program, uh, football program. So we'll have him at 10.30. Looking forward to that. It was a good read. By the way, if you're a fan of a, uh, a certain Big Ten team that resides in our state that has Michigan State on their schedule, Michigan State State of the Program was posted earlier today. So if you're trying to get uh, up to speed on college football, the athletics just as good a place to start uh, as any. Max Olson on Iowa State at 10.30 at 11.15. Scott Dockerman speaking to the athletic. Uh, he will join us. We will talk Hawks at uh, 11.15 with Scott Dockerman. And then 11.35. So I was watching, um, of all places, ESPN last night from 7 until 10, a three-hour concert. The Eagles, not the Philadelphia Eagles, the actual Eagles Eagles, or what's left of them, and they were still really good. Um, and it dawned on me as I'm watching, the, the concert was uh, from 2018, at the Fabulous Forum, which isn't fabulous, it's anything but that. In fact, it's a dump. It looks great from the outside, but once you get inside, you'll be as disappointed as any venue you've ever been in, in my opinion. Have you been since the renovations, though? No, I have not, to be fair. They have made it basically a arena just for concerts. Is it, have they? And I have heard the experience is a lot different than the old days. You, uh, you've told me the story before. What's well, well, You're trying to go around the concourse. You run into a cement wall like everybody else. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I'm going to go back and check everything out, get back to my seat. <laughs> And no, third right. I, back I saw the Kings play. I don't remember who they play. I saw an NHL game there, mm-hmm. not an NBA, an NHL. So, anyways, uh, Chris Conley from the Iowa Event Center, just to catch up with him, find out how they're going to try and go forward as we all make our way through the pandemic. Some sports doing better than others. Baseball is an unmitigated disaster. Uh, we'll talk about that. The schedule comes out at five o'clock today. The NHL, I've got to um, give them credit, although it's going to be very difficult to pull off. They are making this bubble um, as coronavirus-proof as any other sport, I think, possibly can. NBA's going to try and pull it off. We've already heard players that said, no way, I'm not staying in that bubble. I'm, I've got to get out uh, at some point. But we'll, do, we'll talk about that. But we have to start with a story that broke here within the last half hour. Uh, Rasir Bolton, uh, Iowa State guard Rasir Bolton, went public with what was behind his decision to leave Penn State after his freshman year uh, and then uh, was given the waiver to, for immediate eligibility. This is an awful look on Pat Chambers, the head coach of, of uh, Penn State. And in today's day and age, 
Look, if there's one positive, I guess, to come out of this, at least he didn't lie and say he didn't say this. Uh, he did uh, when he was uh, asked, uh, interviewed by, what's the undefeated? Do you know? The undefeated is the African-American site at ESPN.com. It's an offshoot like Grantland was for a number of years, okay. Bill Simmons. They call them verticals. The right, site yep. inside the site, if you will. Gotcha. That is the uh, the site on that side for ESPN.com. Well, uh, the the undefeated reached out to Pat Chambers and asked him about these allegations uh, from uh, Rasir Bolton, and he confirmed that he did say that. And what he did say, um, you know, and I don't know the context it was in. You know, Chambers was trying to talk to Bolton and trying to, I don't know. I, I really you can't speculate, but he referenced a noose around his neck, and and Chambers said, you know, that he was trying to take some weight off his shoulders. You're playing like you have a noose around your neck. Come on, a weight on your shoulders or something like that, or you're carrying a piano on your back or something like that. But come on, a noose around your neck—that's awful. And um, that was the reason behind it, and the lack. And here's the worst part about it: you would think if there was a school in the nation that would have learned how to handle these crises after, you know, you don't have to go back all that far Mm -hmm. uh, to what happened in the showers, for crying out loud, and other places, and how how awful they handled that. Rasir Bolton got no satisfaction from the athletic department. He was uh, put in touch with a psychologist who tried to teach Bolton Ways to deal with Coach Chambers' personality type. And it was only after he got to Iowa State that he heard from the Penn State's integrity office some six months later. So a school that just went through the worst publicity, the worst... I mean, it's the SMU thing, you're paying, right? You're not raping boys in showers. Completely different Absolutely. Completely different. But you would think that Penn State would have moved forward. Mm -hmm. You know, we heard that a million times. Mm -hmm. We're moving forward. They didn't move forward very far because if this is how they handled this as recently as, oh, all the way back in 2019, that's awful. And that is shameful. Uh, And Pat Chambers, you just wonder... You know, as he coached his last game at Penn State, good for you, Rasir Bolton, for going forward, for putting yourself out there the way that you did, uh, and I applaud the young man for doing so. It's absolutely incredible that still today these kind of stories are out there. And going back to NASCAR from a few weeks back and Bubba Wallace and the way that that Not played worse out. today, by the way. Yeah, and and to hear these kind of things, it's in a way it's mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. It really is. It shouldn't be. But it is from my vantage point. I just can't believe that a college coach that coaches mm. African American athletes year right. in and year out, the sheer right. number and the volume that come through to say something, even I, I find it hard to believe that that was not the term being used and, and what he knew, the racial overtones that went with it. it. It is a huge leap to believe that. But we're still going through these kind of conversations. They're not alone. We've dealt with them in our state over the last month plus, and we're dealing with them across the country, yet it still goes on day in and day out mm-hmm. for these athletes, for these people, for black people and the lives that they have to lead, just having this continually be a part of their everyday. And that's been such an eye-opening experience for me during this last month plus is it's not 
the story that you hear about the guy getting pulled over and getting taken out of the car as he's taking his kids to daycare. Those stories are awful in their own right, but it's the nonstop, continuous. It's one after another. Just looking over your shoulder because you don't know what's next. You don't know this guy you went to play college basketball for. And yes, does he run hot? But you don't anticipate you're going to hear no. things like this. These types of Chambers things that are out there. Chambers' excuse Trent was taking pressure off his shoulders. It's just, it doesn't, you can't buy that. You can't. Now, you know, like put you a said, smile on your face, have fun on the floor, you know, what, whatever. Just say, hey, let's take a little weight off your shoulders. Just say that. <laughs> you don't have to use the term noose. Want to loosen help. the noose around your neck is how Rasir Bolt remembered it, and Pat Chambers admitted that he said exactly that. Anyways, uh, Rasir Bolton, good for you, young mm-hmm. man, and um, I, I hope that you find the peace that you deserve. I really yes. and truly do. And I believe that uh, he will in this world of change, a lot of change. Washington Redskins going away. Right. That is a done deal. When Nike shut down, you know, you can buy 31 team apparel. Mm-hmm. Um, that that goes to show you that this thing, I don't know if it has been in the works. There have been reports that it's been ongoing for a couple of weeks. Ron Rivera is heavily involved with Daniel Snyder, the owner of the football team. Um, but when FedEx, I don't know if that was the last straw, if you will, or was that what caused it to go public? Apparently, the word is that it had been in uh, discussions for a couple of weeks, but it uh, certainly came out. Cleveland Indians are going away. At least the name, the Cleveland Indians, are going away. By the way, uh, whoever came up with Cleveland Rocks, I know there's the Colorado Rockies, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but Cleveland Rocks. It's perfect. You got it's the song. perfect. You got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes, yeah. In downtown Cleveland, the Cleveland Rock. Chicago Blackhawks, are they next? Atlanta Braves, Kansas City Chiefs, who knows where it's going to end? Who knows where it's going to end? Um, but it uh, it needs to, mm-hmm. and the Redskins need to go away, uh, and they will go away. It's been a topic since I've been doing talk radio, you know, and there was never hardly any buzz at all, and I didn't get it either. I didn't, I'll admit it. Um, recently, obviously, but mm-hmm. but boy, oh boy, oh boy. You know, the I, I've said for, oh boy, I want to say the last two, three years, I've tried very hard not to say the word Redskins. I've tried mm-hmm. in our conversations whenever mm-hmm. NFC East comes up and we're or we're going through point spreads and win totals and whatever it is. I try very hard, but I still I catch myself from time to time saying it, and every single time I cringe. And even worse, and I was reading one of the Athletics, but incredible in this story, uh, following the stories that have come from them. And their radio guy is African American, and he does not say Redskins mm-hmm. on the air. Really. He does refer to them, though, as skins. And that's something for me when I say it, because it's in my mind, okay, don't say this, don't say this, Washington football team. No, I know. And then the skins come out, and that even feels worse. But he says that term to him. He feels better using Mm -hmm. that term. Regardless of that, let's just do away with all of it. Just do it all Come up with another name. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the Blackhawks. Did you see another athletic column talking about two different sides of the faction, the name? They work very hard inside the locker room. They have the big logo in the center. Yeah, Everybody with their do. skates try to stay off. You cannot step on it. It is, a, yes. it is taboo in every locker room. That's when you walk in, you find that out right away. Mm-hmm. You get the call up and you're playing with the big squad. That is one Or of the media things. or yes. anybody. You can't step on the logo. And on the ice where it was for a number of years and, and doing away with that. But that is, is that enough? I saw a great mock-up of what a logo would look like if they even if they stayed with the Black Hawks, but mm-hmm. separate Hawks and make it Black Hawks, and keeping the colors, keeping everything there that you normally see, but having it look like a Hawk and look really cool. I'm like, oh, perfect. Easy. 
just do it right. and get it over with. And I think you're going to see that happen here. These are conversations that have happened, like you said, for a very long time. But the final push has come going back, well, just over a month ago, I guess mm-hmm. now. These are the pushes that were necessary. These were what's needed. And as a country, it feels like people are coming together and understanding. And that's the part, too, where it's so difficult as you and I, a couple of white guys, grew up not a real rough life that either, either of us left. Or the rough moments for both of us, absolutely. That's the like. But when you hear these stories and hear being used as a, as a caricature of your life, of who you are, and how impactful that can be to you. And just, you're not a cartoon. You're a person. Yep. And to have that and have that come out and come to light and understanding it, I feel like we are growing. And sports fans are growing in that way. I totally light. agree with you, Trent. I totally agree. Um, you know, said a couple of weeks ago that if this doesn't necessitate change, nothing will. And I truly believe that mm-hmm. we are on the road to uh, to just that. Anyway, so that's, uh, that's the program today. Look forward to it. You Did you see the Eagles last night? No. On? So it was re- like, I'm an Eagles fan. Yeah. yeah. I'm an Eagles fan. And, um, Boy, Vince Gill is good. Vince, remember the country singer Vince Gill? Yeah, absolutely. he's an eagle now. Oh, really? And uh, Glenn Fry, who yeah. was you know Don Henley, Glenn Fry, mm-hmm. and, and and Glenn Fry passed away. His son's now taking his place. Oh, really? Yeah, but Joe Walsh is still there. And uh, oh God, I can never. Tim, uh, the guy with the long hair, the bass player. Uh, he's got a couple. He sings a couple of lead vocals on a couple of songs. But it was good. It so was, why was it on ESPN? I don't know. I don't know. But you know what? Hats off to them for doing that because yeah. I don't recall. Oh, I do recall. Uh, um, it would have been um, um, MMA that I would have been watching. Uh-huh. But I can't remember the last time I watched ESPN is where I'm going. But I, I, I don't know. I, I saw it somewhere that the Eagles are going to be on, and it's a, it's a three-hour show, and it's Sunday night, and there's nothing else on. Right, yeah. Nothing else on. Because so. I was looking for a documentary. There was nothing there. No. We had, of course, all the ESPN ones. We had the Griffey one on MLB. Mm-hmm. They had ESPN, what was it, last weekend, had the LeBron decision one. Yeah, and I missed that. that. I didn't even see that. A decade back. And I was looking for And I, I, fl- I was on Twitter and got the kids to bed. Tara fell asleep. It was like 11 o'clock. All right, got a little time for myself, and hopefully something will be on. And I see these people on Twitter still, and I don't know if it was maybe a West Coast feed or what, but they're still talking about the Eagles. Oh, Why are good. so many people talking about the Eagles? I couldn't understand it. Even to come in today, and you're talking about the Eagles and the Eagles and ESPN, and I'm like, what, the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, I, yeah, the reason I brought it up with you earlier was, I forgot to tell you, Chris Conley yeah, on yeah. the show from the Iowa Event Center. So, yeah, we'll we'll talk to Chris about that, but uh, just listen to those songs. God, Joe Walsh is really, he plays such an important role on that band. His guitar is just, look, that's the music of my lifetime, for crying out yeah. loud. They go back to the 70s. Uh, and if you're my age, whether you like them or whether you don't like them, you can't deny that they've been on your radio forever. And it was it was a good way to end uh, a good long weekend. I thought weatherwise was unbelievable. I got to be honest. I, I want to uh, credit. Remember Joe, the caller last night, where last week rather, we were talking about the Beatles, mm-hmm. my Japanese Beatle problem. Mm-hmm. And he said, and I told you, I found the, I didn't come up with it, but I uh, stumbled across the greatest invention forever, um, killing these things, getting these things away. And, and Joe called in and said, uh, you know, you're not going to like that. Within within a couple of days, you're going to lose interest because you catch everybody else's. But Trent, I filled, my neighbor and I filled, I'm not exaggerating, 10, I lost count at 10 full bags of these beetles. They We caught. Thousands, thousands of Japanese beetles. Of Japanese beetles. We, if you if you if you've 
had them in Ankeny, and you and you no longer have them anymore, and you're trying to what what happened to them? Well, they're at the Millers. <laughs> you got them. We got them all. Uh, public service. I'm happy to do it, anyways. Anyways, so Joe, they've, you they've were dis- right. They've dissipated now, though. No, Trent, they're, they're still they're still yes. coming. And and the, the worst part about it is, is I'm broke. I mean, this this habit is breaking me. These bags are expensive. Yes. And this lure is expensive. And I've um, I've developed a very expensive habit. Need to pa- pass the hat. I, yeah, around the neighborhood right. for sure. Uh, fireworks? Did you see? I'm sure you I mean you couldn't avoid them, right? I uh, did see a whole lot. You really did? No. Well, I had remember wedding this weekend. Oh, where were you? So it was uh, in the lodge just outside of Adel, like three miles outside mm. of Adel. So that's where we were. Coming back afterwards, uh, we left probably nine thirty or so. Jack was he had seen better days. He mm-hmm. was ready to go to bed. And even on the way back, I expected we were going to see a whole lot on Saturday night. You didn't? I didn't see a ton of them. Wow. Well, I didn't. I mean, I saw some. I heard a lot. And yeah. they, they, look, it's, it's one, two. It's one weekend for the most part of the year. Have fun. Go out and do your thing. Yeah. I know that it um, upsets if, a lot of pets. If and, you have an animal. Yeah. If you, you have babies sometimes. Sure. Sure. Um, but what I did notice, so every Sunday morning, I get up and I try to be the first one in Whole Foods on Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. That, that's right? your goal? That's my goal. And because I want the orange juice before it's gone. I love the fresh squeeze. I think it's keeping me healthy, whether it is or not. In my head, it is, so I'm going to keep buying it, damn it. Uh, but driving from Ankeny on 235 downtown uh, to, to West Des Moines, mm-hmm. Trent, and I'd seen it on Twitter that the air quality in Des Moines was the worst in the United States yes. yesterday morning. And, and never got outside in the morning. So how bad was it? was really bad. Because I mean, you see pictures. You like- know, it, the, the pictures... They they weren't embellished. It yeah. was when I'm driving across the bridge, you know, to come downtown. And by the way, when you're going up, you know, you cross the river and you you're on your right-hand side is the Holiday Inn, on your left-hand side is Wells Fargo, yeah. and there's that little incline. Why do people take their foot off the accelerator when they go up there? You yeah. might have to push a little bit harder. But Why don't people just use cruise? What exactly? Anyways. There's no ice. See, I'm a perfect driver. Everybody else. Yeah, you know, I'm right there with you. You were there yeah, with me. Yes. With the, anyways. Uh, but the air quality... And the, whatever it was, and it's not smog, I don't think, but the after effects of the fireworks was absolutely 100% um, legit. It That's was there. crazy. Because there was no wind. Oh, okay. That... And I, one of the um, uh, the meteorologists from WHO, maybe Megan, I, I don't know, Megan Salwa, I don't mm-hmm. know who it was, one of them, tweeted the, what was behind the reason that there was some cloud keeping it in, and there was no wind to push it out, and it just stuck there. But it was legit. Anyways, trust everybody had a uh, good long weekend as we get, dive back into things. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau, uh, Trent, was... Jacked up. That's still. just it, and that's kind of where I want to go with you here, because, look, if this was a baseball player who all of a sudden becomes Brady Anderson... I got gotcha. you. Okay. You yeah, know where yeah. I'm going? Yes. I mean... Yeah. Dustin Johnson, there's been some big hitters on the tour. Mm-hmm. Fair? No doubt. Some bombers. And when this guy, and yeah, the club speed is through the roof. I get that. You got to wonder, though, don't you? I mean, this is sports after all. And if we're going to wonder about MLB players, as we do, uh, the testing in golf is not maybe up to speed. I'm not saying he is, but I'm saying that it's not crazy to at least have that thought cross your mind, is it? Because what did he gain? 30 pounds here since the beginning of the season? As the season 30 was pounds bigger. and 40 yards. Right. In three months? Yeah. This is a guy that was 
put together. I and mean, we're not talking yeah. about some blob I mean, out there. Genetically, I guess he's got the type, body type that you could yeah. see that. Uh, but to do it as quickly oh as he has. Trent, he just bumps 360, 370 off the tee. How about the uh, the hole that he had? Par five. Mm-hmm. Driver eight iron. Yeah. <laughs> Driver eight <laughs> iron into a par five. I know. Yeah, it's, and it's, the, yeah, the drive went left. I mean, the putty made on sixteen probably won him the golf. It did. It, mm-hmm. it won him the golf tournament. But it was a little bit of drama late in the day. But look at Bryson DeChambeau is not the most likable person on the tour. This isn't you know a guy that you want to root for. Mm-hmm. I don't think, especially after you know he uh, blew up at a, a cameraman on Saturday right. who had the audacity of putting him in his shot as he walked by, of filming him. Filming him, yeah. right. You know, like he's supposed to do. Right, that's right? his job. That's his job, right. The job that he's making, I don't know. I think he's, is he making 100 a day? Yeah, maybe. 100 and a half, 100 yeah. a quarter a day? You know, uh, DeChambeau cashed a check yesterday for what? A million? What was the per- what was his purse? Do you know? Let me look. I'm going to look. Yeah, I, I don't have But it. you get my point. Yes. Uh, $1,350,000 uh, $1, for his four days effort. With the cameraman made 500. With, with no fans in he still brings home a million dollars, and he's fired up because he needs a moment of zen, a moment to himself. Mm-hmm. That, that's what these guys you know should what, get. You know what uh, some people would call that, don't you? Roid rage. <laughs> I'm not saying he is. I'm not. I'm not. I truly am not, and I'm being serious here. I am saying it has to cross your mind when this guy gets this much additional yardage mm-hmm. and testing is his... Uh, willy nilly yeah. as maybe he's, uh, more so than certainly the other sports mm-hmm. in, in golf makes you wonder. I mean, the, the guys have been playing this game for a long time and they all have the same equipment, but man, oh man, when he's out hitting Dustin Johnson and some of the biggest bombers on tour, the way he is and he's jacked up and he says he's jacked up and he's been, you know, he's been in training. Okay. Be in this for me. Would you please? There is a drug testing in the PGA Tour. Yeah, but it's not apparently as stringent as some of right. the others. Uh, so if anyway. we were able to see their locker rooms and is there a bottle of Andrew, Andrew over his shoulder? <laughs> I'll guarantee you will never find anything in anybody's no. locker room again. No. Uh, but it was fun. It was a good tournament. Mm-hmm. I mean, Matthew Wolf tried him a little bit, uh, gave up a couple of shots on the back nine before he got It was good to see going. Matthew Wolf kind of in that mm-hmm. scene, too, after we saw him, what was that, two months ago, I guess, now in that no. first four-person before the Brady and Manning one. With Tiger and uh-huh. Phil, and, and it was and good we're to asking, see him. Who the hell is this guy? Right, right. Do you know the other three? <laughs> right. All right. Is, is this the best Fowler? they could come up with? And there's number four, and the golf people told us, so this is a young gun. Yeah, this is a guy that has a lot of expectations, yeah. and they think he's going to be one of the next guys on the they tour. Do. And he was right there. Mm-hmm. Wasn't a great field overall. Wasn't the field that we'd seen the previous weeks. Or we will see this week. Is this week yes. a memorial? I believe it is, yeah. right? Now, Tiger is scheduled well, to make an appearance. Have you seen it? Uh, this is not the memorial. This is the tournament. This was when John Deere Classic was supposed to be happening. Oh, so this is leading into the memorial. Right. So this will be played at Muirfield. Okay. This will be in Dublin, Ohio. Okay. So it's the lead into it. But that's the question for a lot of people. Are people going to come to this tournament uh, knowing that the Memorial's next week? So they, they got another there? week before we see Tiger? Probably. I mean, we haven't heard anything yet, so I would guess that the wait will continue at least Doesn't for another week. Doesn't he have a... Isn't Tiger Tracker a thing on Twitter? It is, yes. Let me look. Haven't used him, uh, seen him a whole lot here over the Tiger last Tracker. four months. Where are you, Tiger Tracker? Tiger Tracker. Here we go. Is he I'm coming? not quite as fast as you. Breaking news. No, that's not breaking news. That's a pin tweet. You dope. <laughs> Uh, no spectators at the memorial. 
Mm, yeah, we knew. But that. he's talking about the memorial, so I would guess that's when we're going to see Tiger. In yeah. fact, I got the uh, the list here, at least the initial list, and he is not on it okay. for this week's tournament at Dublin. So we will not well, see Tiger stinks. for another week. Uh, we will talk to Max Olson. He wrote the state of the program, uh, Iowa State football. We'll get into that with Max. It's a really good read. The Athletic is um, continues to do terrific work if you're a college football fan. Trent, I find myself honestly not going full bore into the college football stuff. I look, there was a fraternity in Washington, the University of Washington, over the weekend. A mm-hmm. hundred plus positives. Yeah, I mean, come on. My nephew goes to Washington. Is in oh, a is frat, that right? Is he part of it? He, that's not his frat, but yeah, they're uh, the number of guys. He lives in a house with like six guys, I think it is. Mm-hmm. He got there uh, just over the weekend. Fine, first test right when he landed in Seattle. Day later, symptoms. Mm. Just, and this is what's going to happen in college campuses. Mm-hmm. It, it is the best news is that when you hear all these cases of college athletes, and that's what we're hearing, that there hasn't been one of those kids on a ventilator. Mm-hmm. That those types of things haven't happened. That, that is, those numbers in that demographic are going up. They are. They are. The saving grace is we haven't heard that story, and eventually that story will happen. Uh-huh. That is the likelihood. There might be something underlying with this young man, young woman, whatever it may be. The story will be coming, but for the here and now, that is at least the one positive you can take away is we're not seeing these young people go down and, and have to be hospitalized and have to be at the same level because it is scary. Uh, the the singer, did you see it? Yeah, uh, no, Nick Cordero, is that yes, who you're referring yeah. to? Is he a singer or an actor? Isn't he a Broadway Both, yeah, guy? Broadway okay, guy, yeah. yeah. And 41. 41. Yeah. And just reading through it, and he's been dealing with it, for dealt with it for a long time. A long time. That was scary, reading through that last night. Absolutely was. Uh, just real quick on, on Major League Baseball. So the person that's supposed to te- te- test, I'm trying to say, the Angels, uh, he didn't show up. Uh, likewise, Houston. Uh, tester didn't show up. Oakland, the A's, did their test on Friday. They're still waiting for them to be back from the lab. Testing in Major League Baseball is not going well. If you are so inclined and you want sports to come back as bad as you know most people do, um, the NHL... And I don't want to bore people because I, I know where it fits, although there's not, the others aren't going on. Yeah. Maybe I should go over some of the trends. This bubble that they are creating for hockey players, hockey coaches, bartenders, food prep, uh, prep, uh, preparers, chefs, housekeeping, bus driver, everybody that touches an NHL team is tested daily. You cannot leave the bubble. Once you get on the airplane to fly to either Edmonton, if you're in the Western Conference, or Toronto, if you're in the Eastern Conference, you go into this bubble where you stay potentially for five weeks without seeing your wife, your kids, or family members. You have your own room. You cannot go to another player's room. Uh, to play video games or mm-hmm. poker, whatever, drink some beer, uh, those type of things. You can't leave the bubble or you got to go back in automatic quarantine. So where we're hearing the NBA and these guys are getting to Orlando and there's no damn way that I'm staying in my room for mm-hmm. this long, If you and I don't know what the ramifications are for NBA players, but NHL, if there is a sport that's going to pull this off, I think, and I still think it's a long shot, I think the NHL is doing all that they can to keep their players safe it's five weeks you can still face time if with you your family. make the conference yep, yep. right i mean you might lose in three games you might be home in a week but for five weeks for the amount of money we're talking about here you know a lot of people 
over the road truckers. They're gone for a long time. Yeah, no, I know. There's a lot of walks mm-hmm. of life. People, I had a cousin that for a number of years, he'd go down and he'd work on power lines and he'd be gone for six months. He wouldn't be able to see his family hmm. for six months. Those types of jobs are out there. We're talking about five up to, I think the NBA, what is it, 11 weeks, I think, all told. If you, from the beginning, by the time you get to Orlando, all the way through the end, that's what it'll be. Yeah, because they're playing some games to finish right. up the season. At least the NHL is going right to the playoffs. It extends. It can be a long time. But you know mm-hmm. what? For the amount of money that it is, yeah. if you make the decision that you're going to do it, go and do it right. Absolutely. Go you know what else right. the NHL is doing? I think they're doing it right. For those families that dad's away from home, they are providing help to go get the groceries. Oh, nice. Or those type of things, yes. right? Because mom's um, stuck at home with the kids. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. Aaron, delivery service, those type of things. The NHL's footman have built for that. But 2,000 tests a day. Wow. A day. Every day. And it's not the saliva. It's the actual nasal one. <laughs> oh, you, may, you get, probably get used to it, uh, right? Yeah, after yeah. a while. Oh, here's the other thing, by the way. Masks are mandatory. What a concept. Uh, Miller and Condon till noon. Max Olson from The Athletic next. Oh, guess what's back? Oh, it's time to try to give away some money. Absolutely. KXNO and iHeart. By the way, this is going to last for the next two months. Oh, wow. So who? what shows here locally have had winners? Emery and Sean. They, they did the last go around. The Fanatics have the in Fanatics the Fanatics have. Has the Morning Rush? I believe so. That okay. sounds right. I think Murph and was, Andy? I don't remember Murph and Andy. Okay, so we haven't. We have not. Let's change uh, and Murph that. and Andy, but WHO's had a boatload yes, of them. Yes, they have. Uh, Bus had has had a couple, but we're still looking for our first. Would you be that person? We'd love you to be. Text the keyword check to two hundred two hundred right now. That's your chance to win a thousand dollars. That's check to two hundred two hundred. Get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. State of Iowa State's football program. Max Olson wrote about that at The Athletic. He joins us next. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106-Kin Building. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Welcome back, Miller and Condon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. As mentioned last week, really good read. If you're an Iowa State fan and you want to, oh, get a little tease about your football program, Max Olson wrote the state of the program. The Athletic is doing this for the Power 5 teams today. Michigan State was chronicled. Uh, Last week, it was Iowa State was amongst the teams. It's a a really good in-depth piece. Max Olson from The Athletic wrote it, and he's with us here now. Max, uh, Trent Condon, my name's Ken Miller. Thanks for coming on, Max Olson. Appreciate it. How are you? Doing well. I uh, apologize for missing you guys last week. It was kind of a crazy deal. Right, like two minutes before we were scheduled to do this, I got a phone call from Mike Gundy. So I, I apologize <laughs> yeah. for for bumping you guys for that. No, absolutely, got to get that. You know what? Let's start there real quick. I don't want to <laughs> linger. Uh, I truly believe that. I mean, Gundy volunteered the pay cut. He needed to make some change. Uh, good for Chuba coming out and, and saying uh, what he needed to say, and it, it clearly kickstarted it and very quickly. I'm going to give Gundy the benefit of the doubt and say he looked in the mirror and realized that, uh, you know what, this is on him. He needed to make change. And, and so far, so good for him, Max. 
Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, you know, I think a big part of this is that in the back of everybody's minds in Stillwater, um, you know, they really believe uh, that Oklahoma State can can win the Big Twelve this year, right? And so I think you've seen uh, we've sort of arrived at a, a somewhat of a peaceful re- resolution on all, on that whole deal. Uh, you know, the players weren't calling for Mike Gunny to be fired. They just want him to change. They want to have a relationship with him and a bond with him. And, um, you know, Oklahoma State investigated sort of what were their internal issues for the past couple of weeks. And that was, you know, their determination that there there wasn't necessarily racism going on more that, that these players just, you know, they, they are happy with being in the program, but they're not really happy with the state of their relationship with Gundy. So it's it's fascinating to, to see it all play out really publicly like this. And I think there's going to be accountability. I think Chuba Hubbard and his teammates, um, you know, if they don't see the changes they're looking for, I think they're going to tweet about it. And I think they're going to continue to apply that pressure. And it's going to be fascinating to see if Mike Gundy going into his 16th season as a head coach uh, can make the changes he needs to make because certainly the tension's been cranked up quite a bit. And, and you know, one of the takeaways from Friday and the, the, the Zoom call that uh, their AD Mike Holder had with reporters, um, you know, the contract changes they made, you know, it would have cost them $17 million to dump Mike Gundy. Now it would cost them less than $7 million if they if they did so at mm-hmm. the end of the season because of the contract changes they made. And, and they also made it easier for him to leave for another job, too. So you wonder, you know, can this be the huge season they're all anticipating and hoping for? Or, you know, sort of could this be, be the beginning of the end? You know, Max, one of the intriguing parts of this on the field was the conversation his son decided to walk on a quarterback and the stories of the amount of time when they were going through spring workouts and the like that he was just hanging out with his son and going through progressions with Gunner and doing that type of thing. How much did it really open the eyes? Gundy, there's still this worry, at least for me, and I'm sure others out there, that he's saying the right things right now, but once the doors are closed once again, that he'll go back to being the same kind of guy. With that, working with his son and not working with anybody else, do you do you believe what Mike Gundy says, that he is going to bring about real change? Well, I think he has to if he wants to hold on to his job. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, I do think the power dynamic here has, has flipped a little bit. I, I think we've all known for years um, that there wasn't really anybody that could, could you know, get Mike Gundy to sort of change and, and change his behavior because he sort of had all the leverage, right? He, he can always threaten to, you know, go interview for other jobs, and he's done that to get extensions and raises and all that kind of stuff. Um, the, the relationship with the AD has always seemed like it was a little bit chilly. Um, I, I, think, I think the way that the players put Mike Gundy in his place over the past month here um, sort of enabled Mike Gundy's bosses to also gain a little bit of power again, too. So, yeah, good point. You know, those those power dynamics are fascinating. And, yeah, bringing in Gunner, your, your, your son, as the freshman walk-on, like, I know Mike Gundy's, you know, family is the number one thing with him, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think you've heard loud and clear from, from current and from former players um, that they don't have the relationship with Mike Gundy that they think they should and that other, other coaches across the country have with their players. And, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty, I mean, it, you clearly, you saw how explosive this can be when it, when it all kind of hit the fan there, but, um, you know, just really interested to see if Mike Gundy really gets it and, uh, is really willing to change his behavior. Well, when they say they wasn't, weren't even sure that their head coach knew their names, that was uh, that got my attention. All right, let's get <laughs> That's the a red flag. It really yeah, is absolutely. to Iowa state, uh, quarterback, 
check. Running back, check. Receivers, certainly tight ends, and I think there's enough depth in the receiver room. I'm, I'm encouraged about this group. But here we go again, right? It's the, it's the offensive line. I know you talked to Coach Campbell about that offensive line. If these guys can come together and form a cohesive unit, solid offense, solid defense, your thoughts on uh, what uh, Campbell said to you regarding his offensive line? Yeah, you know, that's one of those deals where you would love to have spring practices and be able to cross-train guys at other positions and sort of, you know, figure out how does this starting five gel and who do we need to move around and sort of how do you, how do you land in the right place on that stuff. So, so sort of how peculiar this offseason has been probably hurts you a little bit on that front. But, you know, I think the offensive line is sort of representative of where Iowa State's at as a program now, where, you know, you graduate a bunch of guys who've started a ton of games for you, and and you sort of you, you circle that position as you know that you lost a lot, but I think internally the sense is they they really like the younger guys they've got. They you know that that you, you you've reached this point now where you're recruiting at a little bit higher level, you're developing um, really effectively, and so it's like you, as much as you hate to lose those seniors, you feel like the guys that are coming up could end up being better than them. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's true where I would say that is a lot of positions now where you have uh, real competition. And, and if, if a guy gets hurt, there are, you know, capable guys that could step in and fill in. And that just hasn't been the case the last few years. It's really hard to build that kind of depth uh, in Ames, but, but they're, I think they feel like they're getting to the right place there. So they've got, you know, two linemen they really, really like, and then it's going to be kind of open competitions to, to see who else uh, you know fills out that lineup. Ken mentioned uh, the other groups on the offensive side of the football course, Brock Purdy, man in the controls. But the wide receiver position, there are going to be some new names, and one of them in your article at The Athletic, Max, that Coach Campbell buzzed about was Xavier Hutchinson. We we heard it when he committed. We heard it when he stepped on campus for the first time this winter. This is a guy... Big six foot three has the size. We've seen that for a number of years with Iowa State. Tell us about Xavier Hutchinson and how quickly you expect him to be in there and pick up what they're trying to do offensively. Not having a full complement of spring practice, not having a normal off season here during the summer. Yeah, I mean the, the I mean I don't know that you can in Matt Campbell's terms. I don't know that you can give higher praise to a guy than to say that he's kind of in the mold of Akeem Butler or Alan Zart. Hmm. He's He's a big six three, two hundred target. Um, you know, really impressed them with just the, the work ethic he showed them in the winter conditioning and stuff like that. Um, obviously, you know, for a newcomer to sort of have the spring and summer disrupted like that, you, you wonder sort of just if that slows the progress down a little bit. Um, but Xavier Hutchinson, you know, they did a good job last year of replacing Hakeem Butler in his production, you know, with Michael Petway from Arkansas, and now you you sort of plug Hutchinson into that spot. Uh, as your big target um, that I think can balance out uh, what could be a pretty good receiving core. You know, Tariq Milton um, was one of the best big play threats in, in the conference last year. They feel really good about where Sean Shaw's at as a big six foot six dude who, who made some plays last year. Um, and they feel like, you know, they've got some young guys too that, that are, that are going to make that group better. But uh, there's certainly a lot of hype and expectations for Xavier Hutchinson. And I think obviously when you've got the tight end room where you're at there too, with, with three, you know, three starter level guys, and one of them being an All American caliber player. Um, I, I think you got to feel really good about just where that passing game's at overall. 
Um, and, uh, you know, Purdy's, Purdy's got a lot of weapons to work with. Yeah, he really does. Charlie Kohler, a lot of people think best returning tight end uh, in the country. Penn State's got a good one. Pitts at Florida, I think, is elite, but uh, certainly Kohler in that conversation. You know, I want to go to the defensive side of the ball. You mentioned Hutchison, you know, taking over and plugging in that Petway role who took over uh, for the two of the previous that you mentioned uh, in, in Butler and Lazard. Uh, Ray Lima, we thought was going to be impossible to replace. I mean, just a terrific plug him in the middle of that line. Uh, he's going to take on blockers, do what he needs to do, and had a terrific career. And here comes Latrell Bankston, who may not be that much of a step backwards from Lima to the following year. Uh, seems like uh, what they've done on offense, they've duplicated on the defensive line with Bankston coming in and being able to play right away uh, in an p- important position that Ray Lima had last year. Yeah, it's, it's that's to me that's a fascinating spot because I don't think there was a more underrated player in the Big Twelve over the last few years than Ray Lima. Just the way that he uh, manned the middle for them when they switched to the the odd front defense, uh, you know, not a position, you know, not a role for him that like put up a bunch of stats, but he was a guy that really made the whole thing go defensively uh, in taking on blockers and clearing room uh, for their linebackers to really play at a high level. And so it's a it's a really really important question mark for Iowa State. Um, and if, if it's as simple as plugging in a Juco guy in Latrell Bankston, um, then that's a huge solution. You know, I mean, that's, that's a huge find for them. Um, he, he was the defensive player of the year in his conference last year after putting up 11 and a half sacks and 22 tackles mm-hmm. a lot. So he's definitely, uh, a more disruptive guy in some ways than Lima in terms of rushing the passer. But, um, I, I think that's another spot where they feel like they've got four guys who are going to compete for that spot. And I'm sure they're going to be able to rotate quite a bit and not put it all on, on Bankston or all on one player. And so, uh, yeah, if they can get that right, um, they love what they've got in terms of their pass rushers. And I suppose you maybe could see a little bit more of, uh, you know, four man fronts again and stuff like that. And they also think that easy could play in the middle there too, a little bit if they want him to. But, um, yeah, if you get that spot right, um, then that, that defensive line, you know, they, they love the linebacker group they have and, and that defensive line in front of them, I think is, uh, as talented as it's been, especially when you get uh, Jaquan Bailey back. You mentioned uh, Wazarike and him potentially moving inside, at least maybe in, in pass rushing downs. It's just, there's something about that guy. He is 310 pounds. Maybe it's because he wears a single digit and he wears number five. That dude doesn't look 310, but boy, a big guy that has some speed coming off the edge too. Playing him inside, really intriguing with what they can do and, and the different weapons that they can have along that defensive front. Yeah, and, and talking with folks on their staff, you know, they also feel like, um, you know, you ask them for who, maybe who, who are the breakout players this year, and, and they single out Zach Peterson as another guy mm. that they feel like yeah. can be an all-conference kind of player. And, you know, he was able to step in and replace Jaquan Bailey last season and, oh. and, and get some really, really good experience. And now you put those guys in a position where they can almost kind of timeshare a position and be really fresh when they play and be really disruptive and, then you throw, um, you know, Will McDonald into that group too, who right. I think is a pretty freaky talent. Thought last year would kind of be his big year, but he, it, I think it's going to take him a little bit more time. Um, yeah, there, I'm with you too. I mean, he's easy, and 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 Bailey are, are probably relative to the conference, we're probably still pretty underrated guys. But um, you know, those are some studs to build around. And then, like I said, you finally got some depth here 
um, that you can be pretty fresh with how you rush the passer. Uh, Secondary-wise, Eisworth back, assuming he's 100%. He wasn't last year. Two years ago, he was terrific. Uh, Eisworth is such a big cog. Tavon Kyle is a guy that we saw glimpses of last year. I think the sky's the limit for him. So based on what we're talking about here, Max and Max Olson from The Athletic is our guest. I mean, they got a quarterback. Brees Hall is terrific running back. If the offensive line comes together, the defense is solid. Where do you see this team's ceiling? You know, I, I I I thought last year could be one of those years where Iowa State um, sort of had enough pieces to sort of make that leap and, and go win more than eight games, go win nine or ten games, and really be uh, in the Big Twelve race. And and you know what what you had was sort of some similar problems to the past years where you just couldn't get on that roll early on. And I think it sort of highlights uh, just how important the rivalry game is. Honestly, yep. I think I think this is you know one of those years where if you can if you can find a way to beat Iowa. Um, who's got a new quarterback and replacing some key guys, obviously. Like, if you can find a way to beat Iowa, there, it, it's not just a springboard in terms of the rest of your season, but that, it's got to be huge at this point just for your confidence and, and morale and all of that. If you can find a way to win that game, and they came so so dang close to doing it last year, um, I, I think you look at the schedule and you feel like they can really get on a roll. But it, it takes that game and it takes them – you know, finally getting a, a win in that one because the, set, the schedule sets up pretty easy for you if you can survive that game in Iowa City where, you know, now, of course, we're, we're, we're talking about the schedule where who, who the heck knows, you know, how the right. schedule ends up getting played out in real life here, right? But, I mean, the first five games, if you can beat Iowa, are all pretty winnable, and then you go go down to Stillwater on October 10th and, and then play Oklahoma right after that. So those are your two big games that kind of help declare – you know, are we in this race or not? You know, if you can split those games, boy, you're you're really in it with a chance to go to Arlington. But I, I just point to that Iowa game and say, you know, it, it, the ceiling here is they they can take that step to being that nine ten win team. But I feel like you got to get that one and get on a roll. Finally, Max, so we'll get you out on this and the lingering question. It's been great for the last twelve minutes talking football, <laughs> but. There is a global pandemic that we're going through right now. Sure where, where are we? Uh, where are you as we look at things here today on July six and looking forward a normal twelve game college football season? The likelihood in your mind? Yeah, it's, it's heading in a really interesting direction here. Um, you know, I think the Ivy League is probably going to announce tomorrow that they're uh, you know punting on this season and potentially you know moving it to the spring. I, I'm curious to see if other conferences. Uh, take note of that and, and start maybe taking their contingency plans a little more seriously. I think you've started to see more conversation about a spring season. Lincoln Riley and some other folks have come out supporting that as a, as a potential option. I, I don't love that personally. I, I don't think that we can all sit here and just, uh, you know, sort of embrace this fantasy that everything's going to be a lot better in January, quite honestly. I, I, I think it's that we're really in, in a fascinating period here uh, where the, the rest of this month, these next few weeks here, um, are really going to determine the road ahead. And, and it's fascinating to see, you know, where, where's the leadership coming from on this for, from the Power Five leagues and, and uh, the NCAA? You know, who's going to kind of take the lead here on saying this is what we got to do? Um, and I think you certainly, I think if, if you're hopeful for a college football season like I am, you, you want to see things improve from just a national standpoint. That, you know, the, the testing, the internal testing with college football programs, I think we're, we're past that being a big concern because they're starting to figure out how to handle things uh, with, with varying success, but they're starting to, the results are starting to improve. I, I just think it's nationally the, the curve has got to has got to improve. The, the, the curve's got to change 
people need to take this seriously and, and wear masks and, and, and distance. And if they care about there being a season, we need to get that part of it uh, under control here in the next month. Preaching to the choir, Max Wilson. Appreciate you coming on. It was great to get to know you via, uh, via our little conversation here. Thank you for doing this for us. Uh, we look forward to catching up with you a time or two during what we certainly hope uh, is a college football season. Thank you, Max Olson. I certainly hope so. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Max Olson from The Athletic here on Miller and Condon. We'll take a time out. We have another break, do we not? Uh, we'll come back, finish up the hour. Uh, we're Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 107.org. What a great capper to the weekend this was last night. Three hours of the Eagles. Fabulous I missed it. Oh, it was good, Trent. Have you seen them in person? No. I saw them when they were here. I was pissed off, too. Because it was the it was a Sunday night. Yeah. And it was Sunday night football in October. It was either Favre's first appearance back at Lambeau or Favre facing the Packers for the first time. Gotcha. And I thought... Well, it was actually in a suite. Oh, nice. And there's TVs in the suite. So yeah, I figured, yeah. wow, I'm going to be able to watch the it's game and listen to yeah. the Eagles, right? But they didn't put the TVs on. Oh. They put it on the concert. So um, that's why I was, but I was, you know, wasn't pissed off for very long as soon as the first note hit the, uh, yeah. uh, came out. The, it was really good. Again, v- Vince Gill was, uh, he's now part of the band. He is so talented. Fits right in. Joe Walsh. But this was too, from 2018, so it's a couple years old, but Glenn Fry's kids in it. And, you know, you, you hear, you hear, as soon as you hear the first note, you know who it is and whether you like him or whether you don't, right? Why is there, because I hear plenty of negativity from people. Trent, I don't know. Your generation, people that are I don't fans of that type of music, were because they're an incredibly talented band. Yeah, yeah. stood the test of time. Were they? Did they become too mainstream? Was yeah. that something? You know, I never understood that. I, I yeah. guess I didn't get that part of it. What people meant when they were saying that, right? Yeah. I just if I like the song, I'll turn it up. Right. If not, I'll turn the station. I'm the same way. I, I don't get the the blowback when a team when when a band becomes very well known. Yeah. Like, I guess there is something about being in on the ground floor of a band, and I guess I can understand it. But if you enjoy their music, just still keep enjoying their music. Timothy B. Schmidt, that's the eagle I couldn't come up with in the first hour of the program. All right, the second hour of the program is coming up. Speaking of concerts, Chris Connolly, as I was watching the Eagles last night, it dawned on me, how the hell are we going to pull this off at Wells Fargo this fall, winter, spring? So I thought we'd reach out to him, and we did. And he'll join us at 11.35. Scott Dockerman will be on before that, about 11.15. We will talk to Doc as we take you until noon. Got another keyword coming up this hour as well. It's going to happen for the next couple of months. Mallory Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3.